Welcome to Fast Fiction Podcasts, where we hope to intrigue and entertain you with our story, If at First. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Old Victorian English proverb. The milk had not been drunk. Hovering at the bedroom door, Archie Bourne could see the glass exactly where he had placed it, on the bedside table. A thin film of skin was beginning to form. He pushed the door wider and bustled into his sick employer, ready to give encouragement. Now, come on, Mr. Rancy. Drink your milk up, sir. It's good for you. It will help you sleep. It was only then that he saw Clive Rancy properly, and his face coloured slightly with frustration. The old man was stretched across the bed covers, head thrown back on the pillow, mouth wide open, his emaciated frame quite incongruous in black silk pyjamas. He was snoring loudly. Regaining his composure, Archie crossed to the table and picked up the glass. It was quite evident the milk had not been touched at all. Making his way down the central staircase to the kitchen, he mouthed silent obscenities to relieve his irritation. He turned into the scullery and threw the milk down the sink, letting the water run a long time. Then he carefully washed the glass, rinsed and dried it, and put it away in the glassware cupboard. There was nothing more to be done tonight. Once Mr. Ramsey was asleep, Archie's chores were done. So although still angry and ill at ease, he decided to have an early night. The tensions of the day were beginning to tell, and he felt tired. Passing the servants' parlour, Archie could see both Mrs. Hedge, the housekeeper, and Evelyn, the housemaid, sipping their evening cocoa. He called out his intention for early retirement. I'm turning in now, ladies. Good night. and made his way to his room. It was barely nine o'clock, but he had a lot to think about. Compared with many of the other houses in the district, the Rancy home had many of the new electric labour-saving devices installed downstairs, but up in the servants' quarters it was cold and bleak, and Archie looked around his room with distaste. He glanced towards some of the books he had brought up from the downstairs library with thought of self-education, but decided they looked dry and uninviting. Instead, he began reading a mystery thriller that he had bought some time before, and was soon engrossed in the suspense of the penny dreadful. He couldn't even remember putting out the oil lamp. As usual, he slept soundly. All too soon, an insistent blackbird was trilling the arrival of morning, and mechanically he gave up the warmth of bed for the pale blue-grey sky of a wintry Brisbane dawn. Thursdays were always bad days. What remained of Clive Rance's family came to dinner on Thursday evenings. The afternoon would be taken up with the irksome chores of haircuts, manicures, and preparation for a formal meal downstairs. None of this was too easy with a mean, semi-paralysed old man who was not prepared to admit he was sick. It was an arrangement of long-standing. 
David Ramsey and his sister Yvonne, both now middle-aged and married, would be waiting in the drawing room, ready to bestow four smiles of greeting on their father as he was wheeled in. Sometimes they would be accompanied by their respective spouses, but more frequently of late would come alone. Although freshly coiffed in the present mode of razor-sharp waves on fashionably bobbed hair and clad in an elegant gown, Yvonne still managed to look dowdy. And her young brother could not disguise his wimpish build even in his carefully tailored suit purchased on a recent visit to Sydney. Knowing their father's intent to conduct old-fashioned English proprieties, they would try and entertain the old man to a pretense of family affection. Inwardly, they would be bored, but outwardly, they would discuss their families, their properties, and such trivial world events that they knew about. Well now, father, aren't you looking grand this evening? Daddy darling, you look flushed. Are you sure you're not overdoing things? What about this talk of war again then, eh, father? Do you think it will come to anything? Let me push you closer to the fire, daddy. You don't want to get a chill. It was all very tedious, and Archie constantly had to check his patience. He would while away the time planning his anticipated new life, which he was determined would have plenty of leisure time and plenty of fun-loving women to share it. This particular Thursday evening had seemed to take twice as long as usual. There was no doubt that the old man was extremely weak. With the weather getting colder, a large fire had been lit in the drawing room. This helped temper the flush on each sibling's cheek as they vied for attention from their father. The conversation was as trite as usual. Daddy, you've had a haircut. I do believe you're getting a curl in your old age. Well, sir, what have you been getting up to since last week? Sorry Gladys couldn't make it tonight. She sends her love, of course. Some charity dinner for the District Nursing Association at Government House. The meal was a disaster. Clive Rancy dripped soup down his shirt and showed intense irritability that Archie had not cut his meat to his satisfaction. Conversation was limited to the forthcoming election, about which none present had much real knowledge, and gradually even that subject began to wane. As if by a hidden cue, both guests made their departure as soon as dessert was finished. David did not even wait for the port. A quick kiss, a handshake, and thankfully they were both gone for another week, leaving Archie with the arduous task of struggling the old man upstairs again. The bedroom was cold and the grumbling didn't stop. The old man seemed to have hurts and aches everywhere and let his manservant know it. Christ, man, take care there! I'm not made of steel, you know, he shouted as jacket and shirt were removed. Archie murmured quiet words of apology. The criticisms continued, even when cosily tucked in bed beneath the tapestry quilt, although truth to tell, the comments were directed more against his children than Archie. Damn parasites! Ignore me all their damned lives, then try to get me round when they think I'm going to kick the bucket. But there's years left in me yet, aren't there, Arch? 
With his dentures in a glass jar beside the bed, the old man grinned a gummy smile, which ended in a slight bout of coughing. (laughs) His companion was quick to go to his side, rubbing his back, adjusting pillows. The old man continued with his rambling, obviously enjoying the joke against his kin. (laughs) We'll show em, won't we, Archie, lad? God, I wish I could be here when they see the will. (laughs) They'll get a shock, won't they? (laughs) Ha ha, bet you'll be laughing. Happy to encourage this frame of mind, Archie nodded jovially, responding with a few appropriate words of affirmation. Once his charge was comfortable, Archie almost danced downstairs again to prepare the nightly drink of hot milk. First checking on Mrs. Hedge and Evelyn, he returned to the kitchen. As usual, his movements were efficient and methodical, carefully putting everything away behind him as he went. Returning to the bedroom, he was pleased to see his employer intent on reading a novel. Here we are, sir. Here's your milk. The old man looked up and gestured with annoyance. Bloody awful stuff. I don't need it anyway. Went off like a top last night. Archie knew better than to argue, but with a hint of inspiration added, That's right, sir, you did. But I understand new research suggests that it stops the bones getting brittle. (coughs) He put the milk on the table, then went off to tidy up the bathroom. He felt quite cheerful as he put away the soaps and towels, However, returning through the interconnecting door, he immediately became disturbed as he saw the milk yet again untouched. Mr. Rancy, sir, you still haven't... I know, I know, but there's a bloody fly swimming around in it. Don't expect me to drink it with a bloody fly in it, do you? Archie clenched his fists and grimaced. There was nothing else for it. He would have to return downstairs and heat up some more. And, of course, there was a good chance that the old man would be asleep again before he returned. Concealing his change in mood, the servant replied, All right, Mr. Rancy, perhaps not tonight, then. As he had done the night before, he returned to the kitchen, went through the ritual of cleaning, then, noting it was still early, called out to Mrs. Hedge that he was going for a walk. The evening air was cool and damp and turning from the driveway, he set off briskly along Petrie Terrace towards the river. The bus stop was deserted. He stood for a moment undecided about the sense of waiting for the infrequent bus that would take him into the West End, an area beckoning with promise, hotels full of happy drunks and easy virtue women. Common sense told him it was too late. He would regret it in the morning. Reluctantly, he turned for home. Even so, he hesitated outside the cricketer's arms. Then he thought of the fine decanter of port still full on Mr. Rance's chiffonier and continued back the way he had come. Friday was Clive Rance's usual day for his regimental club meeting at the Victoria Barracks. Even though the weather was still cold and wet, he insisted on going out. 
and Archie got drenched running around in the rain, organising a cab while trying to keep the wheelchair dry. He was soon in a foul humour and became quite unpopular as he transferred his temper onto the valets, waiters and barmen around him. He and his employer finally returned home at about six o'clock. He was thankful for Mr. Rance's decision to have dinner in his room so as to listen to a popular wireless quiz show from the comfort of his bed. With renewed determination, Archie removed the dinner tray from the old man and tantalised him by saying, I'll get your milk for you now, sir, and perhaps after such a cold day, I had best put a drop of medicine in it for you. I'm sure Dr. Naylor would approve. The suggestion was delivered with a great deal of emphasis on the word medicine and both men exchanged a knowing wink. Archie left for the kitchen, fairly confident that tonight at least the old man would stay awake until his evening beverage had arrived. Mrs Hedge and Evelyn were in the servants' lounge laughing at the quiz show. (laughs) But in order to ensure privacy, he popped his head around the door with pretended cheerfulness and called out, Just making Mr. Rance's milk, ladies. Can I get anything for you? Evelyn pretended to deliberate a while before giggling. (laughs) A nice drop of port would be lovely, thank you, Archie. This response received a frown from Mrs. Hedge. Enough of your cheek, Evelyn. Make that a pot of tea, Mr. Bourne. Thank you kindly. It was quite unusual to find them both in on a Friday night. Normally, it was one or the other. Mrs Hedge often went to visit with her sister, who was housekeeper to the rector, living in the large old manse near Musgrave Road. But earlier she had announced she wouldn't send a cat out on a night like this and had promptly prepared for a night of soaking her feet in hot soapy water whilst listening to the wireless. Being a modernist, Evelyn would often go dancing at the new Palais Dance Hall on her nights off. It gave her the opportunity to dress up fancy in order to show off her ample charms. Recently, she had changed her boyfriend and was keeping the details of the replacement very secret. All she would say was that he had marriage difficulties and that things were a bit complicated at the moment. Earlier in the week, she had hinted that there would be a development shortly and mentioned her intention to go out somewhere special to celebrate, but obviously there must have been a change in plan. Alone in the large kitchen, Archie prepared the hot milk with his usual care. Whilst waiting for the milk to boil, he set the tray for the tea. He added a few chocolates brought over by Yvonne as a gift for her father. Calling out that he would bring the tea in once it was brewed, Archie walked upstairs with the milk and into the master bedroom. Looking carefully for stray insects, he was glad to see the old man was still wide awake. I've got a nice spot of southern comfort in there, Mr. Rancy, he said lightly as he put the glass down. His employer grinned like a schoolboy and Archie helped him up by adjusting pillows and blankets. The bed looked crisp and inviting to Archie, who was now convinced he was going down with a cold. He was just about to hand his employer the steaming milk when he heard the piercing sound of the telephone downstairs in the library. 
His first reaction was to ignore it and go on with his job, but a thought came to him and he changed his mind. He realized the core just might be for him and he would rather it be kept very private. Pushing the milk towards the old man, he quickly excused himself and began to make his way down the main stairway. As he did, he was momentarily confused by the buzzing sound of the front doorbell ringing with the same urgency of the telephone. Normally, it would be Archie's job to answer both, but having to make a rapid decision between the two, he based his judgment on his own private affairs. If he was right, the visitor was probably Dr. Alan Naylor, Mr. Rance's personal physician. He had a perfectly legitimate reason to call and would not cause gossip amongst the kitchen staff. On the other hand, if the telephone caller was Elsie, that could prove difficult. Ignoring the repeated buzz of the front door, Archie quickly made his way to the library and picked up the receiver. Mr. Clive Runce's residence. Oh, is Mr. Archie Bourne there, please? The nasal whine of Elsie's voice betrayed her social standing. In the background, Archie could hear voices of people enjoying all that the cricketer's arms could offer. Oh, Archie, I hope you'd answer. I know you don't like me ringing there, but I've been ever so worried. I haven't heard from you for ages. I was off work last night round at my sister's and wondered if you'd called in at all. She didn't allow a moment for interruption before continuing. See, I told her you and me was going to set the date for the wedding, like you promised, as soon as you'd got that raise you'd been hoping for, and I was wondering, well, the voice gushed on, filling Archie with loathing. The stupid bitch. Thank God he would be done with her soon. He'd be able to get to know some real women with a touch of class and a brain in their heads. Even the new maid Evelyn was worth considering. She was pretty enough, and he noticed she had not made a fuss when David Rance's hands lingered on her backside from time to time. Archie liked maids who were not too straight-laced. Elsie was still talking, and when he answered, his retort was distant and impersonal, discreet for any idle listeners who might be out in the hall. Yes, I'm sorry about the inconvenience. I shall either call you or send a note of explanation in the morning. Thank you for calling. It won't be necessary to ring again, I'm sure. Pleased with this cryptic message, Archie put the instrument down and began to make his way upstairs where he could hear voices. He hardly got one foot on the stairs when he was surprised to hear the door buzzer again. Taking the few steps necessary to cross the hall, he opened the door to find Dr. Naylor standing there, black medical bag in hand. Alan Naylor's gaunt frame was soaked with rain and the few sparse hairs on his bald head glistened in the hall light. He looked meaningfully at Archie as he spoke in an almost furtive whisper. I am... When I didn't hear from you on Wednesday... I, um, I guess things didn't go quite as expected. Archie nodded. If Naylor had just arrived, who was the other visitor now in the upstairs corridor talking to Evelyn? In his accustomed manner, he stepped aside, allowing the doctor to make his way inside. 
But as he did so, a shrill scream could be heard from the first floor. Both men had only a moment for a quick, anxious look to one another before rapidly making for the stairs. From the downstairs corridor, Mrs Hedge's voice was heard calling, What was that? Who's that? Is that Evie? Evening? Where are you? Are you all right, love? And then the awesome sight of a barefoot, ponderous Mrs Hedge racing down the hall in night attire. All three ascended the stairs, one behind the other, although Archie's comparative youth and agility gave him an edge on the other two. Not only that, but he had more to gain or lose. Running into the master bedroom, he took in three things at once. Evelyn's agitated state was obviously caused by her employer, who appeared to have fallen from his bed onto the floor. His body lay in an ungainly position, one hand outstretched towards the bedside table. It was evident to all that he was dead. The second thing that Archie noticed with surprise was that the unexpected visitor was David Rancy. He had his arm around Evelyn and was clumsily comforting her with soothing utterances that were meant to be consoling. (laughs) As others entered the room, he looked a trifle uneasy and backed off a little, lamely adding, I've only just got here. Evelyn let me in. I came to give my father a new book to read. What he had not added was that he had hoped to steal a march on his sister as being more loving, caring and dutiful. At the same time, thinking Archie and Mrs Hedge would be out, he had hoped to have opportunity to meet out briefly with Evelyn. He needed to explain why he had broken his arrangement to meet her that evening. He also needed to confide about the newfound suspicions of his wife. None of this was known by Archie and was not of immediate concern. The final thing he noticed, and of greatest importance, was the pristine state of the milk. Both he and the doctor exchanged surprised but thankful glances. Then the GP took on an air of professionalism and pushed his way forward towards the body. Now give me some room, everybody. It looks as if Mr. Rancy suffered a heart attack when he fell out of bed. Not surprising at his age, of course, but nevertheless most upsetting. He was confident now. His role as family doctor was clear. How about you all let me examine him in private, eh? Archie was still transfixed with the milk. He began to make his way towards the glass, but before he could get there, Dr. Naylor's voice cut in briskly. Give me a hand with Mr. Rancy, Archie, old chap, and began to lift the old man's torso with a practised air of command. Coming as an order more than a request, Archie found himself responding almost automatically. He picked up his late employer's legs in order to lay him out in a more dignified position on the bed. It was at this point that everything took a crucial and horrible turn. With one arm still around the weeping Evelyn, David Rancy guided the distraught young maid to a nearby chair and gently sat her down. He picked up the glass of milk, now quite cool, and steadying it to her lips said authoritatively, 
Drink this, Evelyn. Milk will make you feel much better, won't it, Dr. Naylor? Impressed with the attention she was receiving, the young girl fluttered her long, dark lashes and nodded meekly. Then, in front of the agitated and stupefied Archie, she drank the milk to the very last drop. We hope you enjoyed If at First, written and read by Brianda Cross. If so, we would appreciate you visiting our Facebook page and or iTunes or your favourite podcast platform and give us a like or a tick of approval to encourage us to provide similar stories for your enjoyment. Thank you.